Hi, I'm Tara and you're listening to Cortez Currents on Cortez Community Radio, 89.5 FM. We'll start with our usual note. The opinions expressed in the program that follows belong to the people expressing them and are not necessarily shared by the Cortez Radio Society's board, staff, volunteers or members. I'm back this week with the second episode in my new series, Nourish. Nourish is about community food systems on Cortez Island and beyond. Nourish speaks to farmers, fermenters and food enthusiasts to ask, what feeds us in the time of COVID-19? Tamara McPhail's been trying to come up with an answer to just that. Listen on to hear about Linnea's solution to feeding the Cortez community, the Linnea Farm Food Security Guild. I'm Tamara McPhail. Uh, I'm the executive director of Linnea Farm Society and a resident uh, farm steward here at Linnea Farm. I've lived here for, oh, I guess this is my 20th growing season, which feels slightly auspicious, and uh, raised both my children here and uh, help grow food and raise animals and a bunch of other things. A lot of times people are like, what is Linnea Farm? And I'm like, well, well, that's a dumb question. Like, (laughs) it's so easy. I mean, this is what Linnea Farm is. But she didn't answer my question. Linnea does so many things. It's got a farm stand and it's got a tent at summer markets. It's home to our library in the building that used to be my school. It's where a permaculture institute famed in the Pacific Northwest came into being. It's Tamara's home, the place her children have grown up. I spent a lot of time at Linnea chasing chickens with Tamara's daughters, reading under the apple trees, and I still can't put my finger on the thing that is so obvious to Tamara, the thing that Linnea is. To the naked eye or to people that actually don't come and walk through the farm or engage with us on different levels, they really don't, um, they don't really know. So I asked Tamara to walk me through a day in her life on the farm. Because I can't physically go walk around with Samara right now, I ask her to begin by describing the smells. Oh, interesting you should ask about the smells. Today uh, was the first day there's a smell that's omitted from, I think it must be the soil or the bark of the fir trees, the soil around the fir trees or the fir trees themselves. It almost smells like honey. Um, so that was a big smell for me. And uh, the skunk cabbage that I'm smelling and the elderflowers that just started to bloom, you're definitely getting this sort of uh, assault on all of your senses as you're walking around the farm right now. Um, yeah, and then the bees are buzzing like there's just, uh, it's all alive, very lively right now. The dawn chorus starts early, you know, right around five o'clock, it seems the birds start to wake up and they're getting super loud. And um, we ended up uh, digging a new pond close to our house and the frogs have inhabited that and they're being really loud. So with this spring awakening, um, the natural world is uh, calling us out of bed earlier and earlier. Tamara gets up around six. Six isn't even that early. I just, I like to stay up a little bit later. So six feels like I've got time, time to do all the things I want to do in the morning before the day gets away on me. The day before we spoke was potato planting day. Potatoes went in the ground. There was sort of this cosmic day that transpired yesterday when 
Um, it was a root day according to the biodynamic calendar. And that's the calendar that uses the phases of the moon and other astronomical events as a guide for when to work the soil, plant and harvest. Adam was like, okay, we could do it on this day or it could be the first week in May, but the rain. And so he did this whole thing of the perfect timing. And if we, if it doesn't rain and anyways, yesterday was the day. So after she got out of bed and made coffee and milked the cows, she met a motley crew of helpers, the members of the potato co-op in the field. We gathered at 8.30 just after milking and uh, got all the potatoes out of the root cellar. And I think we were out in the field at nine. And I think by 9.45, we, were, we had already planted everything and hoed it all in. So um, that was pretty quick. <laughs> We had, yeah, we had some farm folks show up just a little bit late and they're like, what? You're finished? <laughs> uh, probably the easiest part of growing the potatoes, the weeding and hilling um, that we do uh, in the coming months. And then the harvesting is the, the ones that take a little bit more time. Linnea is about teaching people to pay attention to all the small signs of life. The earth signals that it's time to plant or it's time to water, it's time to weed, it's time to mulch, it's time to harvest. When I asked Tamara about what food security means to her, she says it's this sense of working together as a community, collaborating so that everyone can be nourished and healthy. Food security, I mean, uh, the broader sense is that everybody has access to um, nutrient-rich um, food. But on a, like on a personal level, I sort of feel like food security means that we're connected to our food source. And that can mean, like for me, when I think about eating um, seafood, I know the people that produce seafood on this island. I'm going to seek out those people to get that seafood. That feels secure to me that I can support them to do, continue doing the work that they're doing. And, um, and that's through my buy-in to their product. Um, and same with people knowing who we are, that they choose to purchase Linnea Farm products, whether that's beef, seeds, chickens, produce, flowers, that they're, they're actually giving us the support that we need to continue doing the job that we're doing. Um, but I also want to take that one step further. And I guess true food security is really when um, we can encourage as many people as possible to have those skills. It doesn't mean that everybody has to go out and become a market gardener. It can be as simple as like, okay, we all feel intuitively this is the time to plant potatoes and we can support one another to plant potatoes and making sure that we've got enough seeds so that if we are going to uh, increase more food production, that we've got the seed to back it up. And um, so it's more of a collaboration so that we're encouraging uh, the people that are doing the work to continue doing the work and finding where some of those gaps are. So let's set the scene. It's about a month ago, late March, and the news of COVID-19 is blowing up in Canada. People are panicking about how they're going to feed themselves and their families. When we were sort of faced with COVID and um, the fear around food shortages and break in supply chain and all of that information kind of coming at us all at once and everybody's rushing to the store and stocking up. So one day, Tamara and two other Linnea farm stewards got together to talk about the role Linnea could play in our small community's food security. We had to take a couple of really good deep breaths and be like, okay, 
we've been very active in food security um, for our island for many years on many different levels. And if this is true, if we're if we're moving into a time of uh, where we're going to see food shortages and break in the supply chain, um, what what is our role in all of that beyond just providing food as, and growing as much food as we can for others? What really stood out for us is what we really love about Linnea is um, the educational component to farming. And anytime we have anybody around us that uh, is passionate about learning and wants to get their hands dirty. So they were trying to brainstorm how to get food to islanders if their usual ways of selling food, like the markets, unable to happen. And they also wanted to connect people to how their food is grown and bring in the educational aspect that's so central to Linnea to expand our community's growing capacity. I asked Tamara why they decided not to follow a CSA model where people get a weekly box delivered, essentially a share of the harvest. She explained that planning for a CSA and planning for a traditional market garden are different processes. And keep in mind, the planning happens way back in the fall. So they'd already planned to take their blue rub maids to the Friday market and they'd ordered seeds accordingly. But Tamara says there's certain things she loves about CSAs. We love, the one part we did really love about the CSA, because we did do a CSA for many years, is that direct connection um, with Cortez Island local people. We loved um, seeing them on a weekly basis. We loved writing their names on their CSA bags. Like, we loved that part, because I could see, you know, and everybody would be like, Tamara, those zucchinis that Adam grew, those are the best and those eggplants. And there's a direct relationship forming between a CSA participant and the farmer. And we really love that part of it. So this idea started to form of some sort of club, kind of like a CSA, except where you can choose your own budget and where you can choose what you want in your box from what Adam has grown. Tamara says people will also be able to choose products made on the farm, pesto, beef, apple juice but they needed a name and one day Tamara was working with Anna another farmer just shoveling manure talking about food security and Anna said guild the Linnea good food guild and we're like oh okay that's awesome like I like the direction that that's going so anyways throwing around different ideas talking to different people uh Georgina Selby who is one of our board members she was like, I think Food Security Guild, like call it what it is. And um, so that's where the name sort of came from. The concept behind it is really about connecting people with their food source, encouraging, and this isn't a prerequisite by any means, but encouraging people that are keen to come out and work alongside us. That concept of experiential learning, where you're, you're actually with the farmers in the field, doing the work that they're doing, you know, good old fashioned sweat equity. And uh, a lot of times that's where the real learning happens when you got a hoe in your hands and you're, you know, you're working alongside people. Of course, we're going to be six feet apart this year, but um, that concept of actually doing the work and learning things as we're going about doing them uh, just seemed like it felt, it felt a lot more exciting to us than just simply growing food for people. And that, that adage of, uh, give a man a fish or teach a man to fish, you know, kind of rings true. Like if, if this truly is about food security 
and trying to get as many people as educated and as switched on as possible, then the guild concept can kind of hit that, hit those markers. But like I said, um, it's not a prerequisite. Like the concept of the guild is really just about forming um, a collective around uh, food and uh, ideally as the season progresses and we start to um, harvest out of the garden, uh, we could do some canning workshops. We could do some group uh, sauce making workshops where everybody goes home with, you know, six jars of sauce that they can throw in the freezer or in Ziploc bags or what have you. So actually trying to to build that piece into it as well, because not everybody's been doing this for 20 years. A lot of people, I've, I don't know how many conversations I've had in the last little while of, well, we're, we're trying a garden for the first time in 30 years. And I'm like, go for it. You know, it's really exciting. So we put out the, the guild questionnaire. I think within 24 hours, we had over 40 people want to join up. Um, so that felt, that felt pretty amazing. And of those 40 people, a lot of them said they'd like to donate to support other community members having access to Linnea produce. So imagine this, your family's really struggling financially. You pick up a box from the local food bank and alongside tins of beans and chicken soup, there's a beautiful bunch of carrots. Orange, really sweet, Adam's specialty. And you know that these carrots are a gift, not just from the farm and from the land, but from some other islander who cares about our collective well-being. Someone who believes, like Tamara, that food security is about collaboration. I asked Tamara where this idea came from. Like, it sounds so cheesy, but I want to know, how can food be a form of love? Tamara tells me. You know, we had somebody approach us and, and say to us a while back, like, are you guys going to be okay? Like, are you worried about your income this year? Because I want to make sure that you are able to continue doing the work that you're doing. So I would be willing to donate some money to ensure that you guys don't have to worry about it this year. And we're like, oh my God, that is like the sweetest thing anybody has said to us for a long time. Just that support, that sort of unencumbered, no strings attached support. And it got us thinking like there are other people out there that feel that same way. And what we thought is if, and you know, we, we put that out in one of the guild questionnaires, like, do you have an abundance? Would you like to donate to somebody else in need? And it, it sort of connected us with our local food bank. Um, and that if there are people, cause I know the food bank has served an amazing purpose and I don't know how much produce has been a part of that, but if we have other people buying in and we have a set amount of money that we can, um, gift forward to another family or a couple or a single individual in need, that that feels uh, like a real gift that our community members can um, do on behalf of others. Uh, so that's one way that, um, yeah, that we could definitely share the abundance and still receive support. And it just kind of felt like this, this chain of, of giving forward. Um, and then with the food piece, the, you know, there's ways that I know that there's these alternate currencies. I'm sure you talked to Lonnie a bit about that with CETA and um, different currencies that the food bank can come and purchase different things from different people so that we can uh, make sure that nutritious food is accessible to everybody that needs it. 
Um, so we have yet to figure out, I know that there's ways um, through our certified kitchen that we can apply for um, the right kind of um, certification in this time. Uh, so I know Kirsten's been working through that so that she can start to make some meals to pe- make meals for people that need access. And that may not be right now. Um, there may not be some people that are in need of it right now. But if things continue in this um, capacity and we see we see some supply chain issues that that need may grow as COVID continues on into longevity. It's not just food that's in short supply right now. As more and more people set out to grow their own food, planting lettuces at the margins of lawns, pumpkins in flower beds, tomatoes on a sunny windowsill, seeds are harder and harder to find. So, to Tamara, empowering people to grow their own food goes hand in hand with saving seeds. Adam has been um, on the yearly increasing his seed production. Um, we have uh, at different times sold them through our website and at the co-op. Um, but this year, uh, so I guess maybe three years ago, he started going for the BC Eco Seed Co-op, which is um, like a collective group of about 17 different small scale farms similar to us. And uh, they all have a membership in the Eco Seed Co-op. And they all grow different things. So they grow for the central organization. All their seed gets shipped into um, another farm called Glorious Organics. And then it gets packaged and sent out. So that's been growing every year. And he's also been growing for um, Dan Jason at Salt Spring Seeds. There's been a few different varieties of seeds that um, Adam and Dan have been collaborating on. Um, So just over the last few years, the seed company has grown quite a lot. Um, and then I think in the last, um, this last, this last COVID history, what, how long has that been? Six weeks? Has that only been six weeks? Um, something like that. Uh, the Eco Seed Co-op has grown like 350% or some, some obnoxious number, like with everybody wanting to grow food, um, they're like, right, we got to get seeds. So I think we've both really felt, um, you know, and at different years, different people at Linnea as well have really felt like seeds is a huge part of food security. And we don't really think about that. We just think about the food, producing the food, but where do all those seeds come from? So uh, we've, Adam's really done a balance in the garden, making sure that he's got space for those seed crops because they need a set amount of space. And as well as um, ensuring that there's, that we can produce a little bit more food. So that means we're kind of tying into or like t- digging into the fallow sections that um, are a very important part of a market garden. Um, but we're just going to see where it, where it leads us. So if we have to, you know, put a few more amendments in the, the sections that should have stayed fallow this year that we, we decided to till in, uh, we'll have to cross that bridge when we get there. But um, yeah, so definitely some more seed crops. And um, yeah, because we, we, I mean, Yeah, it's probably one of the most important parts about food security is making sure that we've got um, we've got seeds, especially grown for this climate. We started this program today with the seed potatoes going into the soil. Tomorrow we'll weed, hoe and water them. And when they flower, she'll dig the potatoes up. But for local food to feed us through the winter, it's got to be preserved and stored. Potatoes are easy, put them in a cool, dark place, and they'll keep through the winter. 
But what about tomatoes? What about corn and basil? What happens when you're craving a salad in December? Tamara says we're used to so much choice. We're going to need to do a lot of learning about how to preserve the food we grow. And we're going to have to shift the way we think about food completely. For example, there's this initiative called Squash the Curve. So everybody's growing squash. And um, Linnea Farm Seeds actually sent 2,500 delicata seeds down to the city of Victoria because they're turning some of their parkland into uh, food production. So I'm like, that's fantastic. But do we all love that much squash? Like when you actually start to think about food security, it's not just about producing, but how like do people know how to um, harden those those squash off so that they can be stored? And once they are stored, do we know how to eat that much squash? Like we're, we're kind of accustomed to be able to going to the store to get like, oh my God, I've got a craving for, uh, I don't even know what. I'm craving baked beans right now. So I can go down to the grocery store and grab a can of baked beans off the shelf. But if those, if we start to see those supply chain breaks and what we have now is squash, do we know how to cook it? Like those are those are some of the places that my mind always goes. Like it, it's not just as simple as putting a seed in the ground. It's about it's a whole lifestyle switch, right? Like if we are not looking at getting avocados anymore, and we actually all need to look at look at how to make do with what we do produce. That's a whole other conversation. So returning to the question from the beginning of this episode. What is Linnea Farm? After speaking with Tamara for nearly an hour, I find myself nodding when she finally answers my question, with what to her is so obvious. What is Linnea Farm? Linnea is kind of like um, an outdoor classroom. It's a classroom you might get to learn in this year if you join the Farm Guild. But what if you can't make it to Linnea? What if you're tuning into Cortez Radio from a far-off city? Or what if you're feeling a sense of frantic anxiety, this COVID thing seems to proliferate, and you want to start planting your garden now? So I asked Tamara, what's your advice for a new farmer? That's a really good question. What would be my advice? I mean, there's two sort of avenues that I think... um, I think a lot of times, and especially right now where there's this this catalyst that's caused this awakening, like you're not going to have food, you got to grow food. And it's that's one way of looking at it. Um, but to have a successful garden, you actually need to put a little bit of planning into it. And um, there's so many concepts to growing food that I don't even understand um, that I think to have a successful garden you need to really look at all components of it. So what is your soil? So learning a little bit about your soil. Can you do a soil test? Can you identify some of the plants that are growing where you'd like to have a garden and understand what those uh, indicator plants are telling you? So I think everything is really about um, observation and talking to people. Like there are so many people that have been doing this for years, like find those people, read some books by those people, uh, listen to their YouTubes, like really seek out the people that have been doing it um, to learn some of that knowledge. But I I honestly think like enthusiasm, observation. And uh, I think when Adam and I very first started growing, it was because we lived on this 
little uh, hippie land, um, what kind of north of Whistler, and somebody had left all these 1970 organic gardening magazines, the little half magazines. So we would just pour, we just pour through those, and we're like, companion planting. Oh my God, we can plant carrots and dill together. And so we literally just followed these guides um, from the 1970s. And we, okay, well, the soil that we were growing in was incredible because somebody had gardened really well there for many years. And sure, it was overgrown when we got there, but like the soil was already beautiful. So we had this beautiful garden but like we were out there every day looking at every plant and it was like okay what is that one and we'd pull different people in and we'd be like is that a weed or is that a plant and like there is so much joy from watching like the first seed that you planted sprout and then turn into something that you can eat and then the coolest part about that is in that if it's grown in the right place with the right plants around it can produce more seed and it's just mind-blowing so I think my advice is like follow your enthusiasm, um, buffer it with a little bit of um, like, don't, I mean, then this is Adam. Adam always says like, don't set your sights too high. Like don't go crazy. Like do what you can do what you can handle. Cause the, the enthusiasm of spring is different than the continuation throughout the season. So like, it's really easy right now when it's bare soil to be like, I'm going to plant all of these things. And then little do you know that the earth forces are so like going to go super crazy abundant and there's going to be weeds and there's going to be pests and, and then there's going to be all this food that you have to deal with. Like there's just a crazy amount of energy that starts to burst out of the garden. So maybe just like, you know, think that you're going to grow that and then cut that in half and do something really well for the first time. And I don't know, it's hard to tell somebody like, cause you kind of want them to have their own journey with it too. Right. You can probably hear the excitement in Tamara's voice as she pictures you digging your hands into the dirt outside your door, perhaps for the first time and noting with wonder the little worms, the peaty, lonely smells, the sprouting weeds, the bees, and the pollen in the air? To me, it smells something like hope. In times of uncertainty, fear, and grief, it's pretty beautiful that soil right underneath your feet might have the potential to grow a sense of security for you and your community when you've been doing something for so long and all of a sudden everybody's excited about it and you're like, oh my God, yeah, right? This is exciting. We're not crazy. We've, yeah, so it's kind of amazing to watch the world waking up around and everybody's talking food security. Everybody's talking growing things and excited and it's pretty amazing. We are alive in amazing times, that's for sure. It takes a community to support a farm. You can join Linnea's Farm Guild by signing up at the link on their Facebook page in their newsletter or by visiting cortezcurrents.ca. We're going to keep on talking food security on this show. If you have something you want to say, whether it be about bread or bees, get in touch at tara.w.721 at gmail.com tara.w.721 at gmail.com Today's guest was Tamara McPhail interviewed by Tara Walkington for Cortez Currents. This episode was produced by Tara Walkington with assistance from Roy Hales. 
This program was funded by a grant from the Community Radio Fund of Canada and the Government of Canada's Local Journalism Initiative. Go to CortezCurrents.com for more community news. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.